Welcome to today's episode. I'm very happy to introduce Jamie Willis-Rose, a solution specialist at Applied Information Sciences. He is a blogger, a user group leader, and a speaker who knows how to get adoption of the Microsoft Power Platform done. So thank you for joining me today, Jamie. Thank you for having me. So Jamie, for those who don't know you, uh, tell, tell a bit about yourself, your background, where you're from, and, and what you do. Oh, th I really appreciate you having me, Jeremy. Uh, so my background, uh, I was born in New Jersey. Uh, I spent most of my adolescence there until I was about 15, then I uh, lived briefly on Long Island. Then my family resettled in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, where I finished high school. Uh, and when I was very young, uh, one of the first things my parents uh, got me was a computer. I was very fortunate. Uh, not everyone gets that when they're kids, but I got an Apple IIe. Um, and that's my first real taste of programming, uh, getting to work on an Apple IIe. I remember uh, uh, programming little, little bits of code here and there. Uh, my science fair in fourth grade, I actually created an animated volcano. Uh, <laughs> and I, I, my, uh, my principal actually said, uh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone looked at the principal like what? um so yeah that was my first real taste of what's possible with computers uh and then when i got to college i went to boston university um i was interested in, i went there to study film and television uh but i was i was already experienced in high school with html i was in the early days of the web uh when you had to write your code by hand that was like the only the cool kids uh wrote their code by hand right so i taught myself html and so when I got to college, I had to do work study. And uh, one of the first jobs I got offered was uh, doing HTML uh, for the, the Bostonian uh, alumni magazine, actually just taking their articles and putting them into a web page. Again, this is nowadays it would be copy and paste, but back then it required a little more effort. That led to another job uh, while also I was at BU uh, working at a, a startup, a dot-com. Um, doing the same thing, basically creating hard coding pages. Um, that company blew up from like five people to like 70 people while I was there. Um, all part of that amazing late nineties dot com boom. If you guys are old enough to remember that uh, they were basically giving people money if they had dot com in the name of your company. So, it's really, you know, meatballs.com here's $10 million. Like it was just really this amazing how much money they were giving out. Um, anyway, as you know, it eventually went boot, uh, bust. And, uh, so I, I, I crawled back home to my parents as, as a lot of people do when they're young and out of work. Uh, and I kind of took a detour at that point. I got, I got working to TV. Um, and that was a, a five year journey living with my parents. And that, uh, that led to me uh, getting a job at the discovery channel, uh, which I moved up to Northern Virginia in 2006. Um, and discovery and the way they do TV, uh, most major networks do nowadays, it's all server-based, it's all on computers. Um, so I, I was not technically in IT, uh, but I was using computers every day. And uh, without a year after I started there, I actually transitioned from the role I was in, which is uh, what's called master control operator, which is just the person who makes sure that the things you're watching on TV are there your shows, your commercials, your promos, all that stuff. I moved out of that role into a training role. So I actually started training people how to watch TV for a living. Um, so that was my, my, uh, my job for the next 10 plus years at Discovery was, was creating training, a lot of technical training on proprietary systems, you know, when to push the button, <laughs> when not to push the button, when to panic, 
um, you know, stuff like that. So if you're ever watching TV and you're, you know, wondering, you know, how things get on the, on the air there, I can tell you all about that. I'm not going to get into that today, but that, that, uh, that was an amazing experience. Discovery the, uh, grew exponentially over the years I was there. Um, they're a huge global company now. They've got a huge footprint all over the world. And the facility that I was in actually uh, became the centralized hub for all of their broadcasts worldwide. So we had UK, we had uh, Central Europe, we had uh, Africa, we had South America, all of it coming out of uh, Sterling, Virginia. Still is actually. I'm not gonna tell you exactly where it is, but they they they're an undisclosed location uh but they a lot of the centralized stuff from there uh but as as part of my role as a trainer though um i was tasked with uh learning sharepoint uh that was because my boss at the time said hey there's this thing called sharepoint could you learn it (laughs) uh like so many people i was like sure why not um and i had already had some experience writing excel macros up to that point to solve a lot of those repetition things that come up in businesses. I think a lot of, a lot of individuals like myself who kind of are, are problem solvers. And so I saw problems and I was like, I, why are you doing all that? We could just do a macro. Um, so I did that and that led me to SharePoint. And I did a similar approach where my boss was like, I really want to have this page with all the time zones for our, our whole company. Cause we're in all these different countries now. Um, and I was like, sure, I'll solve that. And so I, I taught myself jQuery and I, I learned how to do all that do not do what I did. <laughs> Let me just say that up front. Like building a custom solution on SharePoint 2010, it, don't. Because <laughs> years later, when we started moving to SharePoint Online, it was a huge headache. Um, but SharePoint Online arrived, as you guys may remember. Um, and shortly after it arrived, these two little buttons showed up one day in my list, Power Apps and Flow. And I, I can't underestimate how much that changed my life. Cause like just seeing those two buttons and clicking them and seeing what, what, what does this do? Um, that's led me all the way to where I am today. Uh, just that, that ability to just click a button and create an app within a matter of seconds. And similarly with flow, which is now called power automate. Um, and so I was able to create some really cool apps for discovery uh, that solved some business problems that they had. And that led me uh, to, decide that I needed to leave Discovery uh, and pursue uh, IT full-time. Um, I had not really ever considered leaving Discovery. I love working there, but uh, for a lot of different reasons, it just was the right time. Um, so last year I made the transition to becoming a consultant and taking my Power Apps and Power Automate skills and a little bit of Power BI um, and, and getting into Power Platform. Um, and uh, I'm really, really happy to be where I am. I'm with an amazing company. We're, we're, we're leaders, worldwide leaders in the Power Platform. Um, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about that, but if you want to know more, AIS.com. Uh, we have some great blogs on there you can check out. And uh, we're also hiring. So um, you know, I know there's been a lot of uh, economic downturn all over the world, but our company's thriving right now. Um, so if you're interested, uh, please check out as.com and click on the little uh, careers link and check out. Maybe there's a job posting that you'd be interested in. And I, of course, I'm on LinkedIn and Twitter, so you can always reach out to me directly if you have questions. Wow. That's, that's an interesting path because you started down that path of IT originally and then took a kind of a side, a side journey, which sounds fascinating in itself, right? I mean, 
television production and, and all that goes on behind the scenes and how those programs are created and broadcast is pretty amazing technology in its own right. Uh, and, but then to come back into uh, the IT world because of SharePoint is kind of interesting. Uh, there's a lot of people who dislike SharePoint uh, for, for a variety of reasons, uh, but there are a lot of people who absolutely love it too and, and what it can do in terms of, you know, spending the same. I can't, I mean, I can't make, say too much bad about it because I wouldn't be here without it. But um, I also know that uh, I was one of those end users who was trying to use SharePoint to do things it wasn't meant to do. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times the headaches you have with SharePoint are usually, um, well, if you're IT, your headaches is end users doing things they shouldn't be doing and then asking for help. Um, oh, my SharePoint's not working. Uh, did you, did you break it? Well, yeah, but um, can you fix it? Um, right. and then, you know, the flip side of that is, you know, you, you, a lot of times you, you, you have a boss who says, you know, I really want to create a document management system or content management system. I want to, you know, this robust system that can do all these things. And you're like, are you going to pay for it? Right. Right. No, I want you to go learn how to do it yourself and, and write it for me. I'm like, okay. You know, <laughs> the over eager under qualified, uh, you know, end user who's like, sure. I'll take a few hours out of the week to try to create a content management system that would normally cost tens of thousands of dollars. Um, so that, yeah. that, that's, that's my journey. And I will say this about discovery. Um, if you guys are interested, I think there's some articles out there. I highly recommend it if you're interested uh, that we were at the time, uh, one of the only, if not still the only company that was broadcasting uh, linear content from the cloud. Oh, wow. So we, we moved to uh, AWS servers and a proprietary system was built in, in conjunction with a company called Everts, E-V-E-R-T-Z, -E -E I think, um, Canadian-based. And they, th their system, working with us, we developed it. And I was, I was helping develop that system. So it was really exciting to be part of that process, working with developers. We would say, hey, this isn't working the way you want. And they'd put it in their sprint and load it up. And two weeks later, we'd have a fix. Um, but seeing that from the ground up uh, and seeing it come to fruition, because it really, it's the only way you can do what, what they're doing, which is broadcasting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of channels out of a single facility um, worldwide. Wow. Um, so it's pretty extraordinary stuff they're doing. So yeah, if you're interested in that kind of stuff, um, again, if you're an IT junkie, you know, you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, interesting. So because I know how um, important uh, Power Automate and Power Apps are to you, you know, and you've mentioned a little bit about what it can do in terms of um, some level of business automation. What, what is the importance of those tools to somebody who is, who's got Office 365 in their environment? I mean, why would they even want to, to look at them? So as an end user, a lot of times, uh, well, let me back up. Problems always need to be solved no matter what. Like if you have a business problem, you're going to find a way to get to solve it. Um, and Sometimes that means hiring somebody like myself to come in and help you solve it. Um, that's probably the better long-term strategy. But a lot of times the short-term strategy is to try to figure it out yourself. And tools like Power Apps and Power Automate and Tool Extra Extent Power BI are designed to allow people who know what the problems are to actually solve them or attempt to solve them themselves. Because a lot of times you spend a lot, you spend time trying to explain to people what the problem is and then they tell you what they think the solution is and there's this whole back and forth and it often is too small uh to, to in a, a large organization to solve all those little problems 
mm-hmm. you know, and so you end up with this huge backlog. You know, people say, well, we need the, an app to do this, or we need, we have this workload, this business workload, and we're, we're trying to, we need this, we need this tomorrow, you know, and IT's like, well, we, we don't have any resources right now. We have this massive backlog. We can put you in, slot you in for next year, uh, you know, in our next whatever whatever your units of measurement are you know whatever that is six eight months from now we'll 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 have time for you um and so this idea that you could take these small workloads that are maybe just related to a very small problem that only your team is worried about and and actually and take that workload and automate it taking away some of the the risks that come with doing things manually you know data entry uh you know automating tasks approvals things like that, that you can, you can now have a better way to centrally manage them. Um, and then in terms of data, you know, data sovereignty, knowing, knowing where your data is at all times, making sure that it's secure. Uh, you know, there's some amazing capabilities built into the Microsoft 365. So if you have Microsoft 365, and again, some of your audience might be on the government cloud, so your, your mileage may vary, but in general, everybody has a, a base set of uh, capabilities with the, the basic, you know, G3, E3 license. Um, and so if you have that, you can you, know, you very likely have a SharePoint capability. You very likely have uh, the ability to create a Canvas app. You very likely have the ability to create some degree of flows through yeah. Power Automate. Um, and then depending on your, your how much your organization is paying for, you may have Power BI. Uh, you, know, you might have uh, some more premium features like uh, Dataverse, formerly Common Data Service. Uh, and then I don't know if it's in GCC yet, but I know that uh, Dataverse for Teams is uh, the big thing that Microsoft is pushing right now. Uh, and to me, Dataverse for Teams is just a replacement for SharePoint in terms of what people would normally use SharePoint for, which is taking a small business need uh, that has a relatively small audience uh, and saying, here, let's put it in, in this instead of a SharePoint list or instead of Excel, like if you're a business user and you're using Excel spreadsheets and email to manage business processes, your head should be, this is where you should, light bulbs should go off. Cause like that pro, that way of doing things where you just, I'll just create an Excel spreadsheet for that. Um, that's where you really want to shift your thinking and start going, okay, instead of doing in Excel and putting it in an email and attachment and sending it out, don't do that. Don't do that. No, no one wants to get 17 versions of an Excel spreadsheet trying to figure out which one's the latest version and sending it via email and slowing down your email servers. Instead, centrally store your data in SharePoint in a Microsoft list or even better, uh, a Dataverse, you know, Microsoft Dataverse or Teams or pure Dataverse. Um, and that way you have a central, centrally stored data source. And then you can build all your, your, your flows and your apps around that data. And if you get to Power BI, even better. Interesting. Yeah, my, my, I, I happen to be at a federal agency, so the GCC mileage does vary, um, but it is still, Power Automate's available. It does do workflow, right? Uh, now your, your IT department decides to what degree different connectors that are, that are available to you or, you know, whatnot, because they, do, they, do, they are concerned about how data can be moved around with such a tool, but, uh, but it is pretty powerful. It's a workflow engine, if nothing else, for things you want to do within the Office 365 suite. Yeah, yeah, it really is. The ability, I mean, the, the approval process is probably the, the most popular one that I know of because this idea that instead of sending back and forth emails and asking people, the idea that you could create a simple form that someone, it could either be a Power App or it can just be a Microsoft form 
uh, and the idea that that could set off a series of uh, regulated uh, steps, you know, okay, so-and-so needs a new computer. That sets off a chain of events, goes to your manager, your manager says, sure, then it goes to the, the, the procurement person, they look at it, they see that it costs too much, they send it back, and then it goes back through and it keeps going through until it gets to the final, you know, yes or no, right. approved or not approved. Um, and it, rather than, you know, a, a, willy, a willy-nilly system, um, you know, you can, you can have that all regulated. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. All right. So you've been around the block a little bit and you've seen how we do things. What's something that if, if uh, somebody promoted you to the only one who could make the decision of the day, there's a change that needs to happen within how we do IT today. What, what's something you think we should, you know, spend some thought leadership on and, and possibly change? Uh, you know, I, I, I do think, uh, having worked with many different clients in the last year, um, and, and then even my, my experience with discovery, I think there's a, often there's a knee jerk reaction that like, well, let's, let's turn that off, mm. but let's, let's not get, let people, let's not people do that, do that. Now I have a, I have a real soft spot for, for IT departments that don't turn things off, uh, because I wouldn't be here today if they had turned off power apps and power and flow. Um, two plus years ago when that was first rolled out sneakily, admittedly, by Microsoft's own admission, they, they kind of snuck that in um, to SharePoint, they, those two little buttons. If, there, if the if instinct had been that Discovery had not let me use that, I don't know where I'd be today. Mm. Um, there are a whole chain of events that happened because of that. Um, and I know nowadays a lot of instincts are uh, you know, when, when Data Virtual Teams was, was announced, a lot of organizations were like, how do we turn it off? That's great. Thank you, Microsoft. Turn it off. Um, and Microsoft, like with SharePoint back in the day with Flow and Power, Power Apps, is today with Dataverse for Teams being very slow to provide IT the ability to turn things off. Um, and I think that's intentional. I don't think Microsoft's stupid. They understand that if they give people an off button, they're going to turn it off. Um, and... And so my, I guess my, my biggest thing is I would love the culture of IT departments to be more about enabling people to solve their own problems and giving them the, the, the guardrails to do it safely and securely. Mm-hmm. Um, I know at, 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 at AAS, sorry, just to plug ourselves, our approach generally is to, to look at adoption about uh, helping people help themselves and helping organizations put up those barriers to prevent users from doing things they shouldn't be doing intentionally or not. Right. And I also think there's a, there's a mindset that some organizations have where they believe that their users are, are well-intentioned and they therefore trust them uh, to make decisions that are in the best interest of themselves and the company. And that's a cultural thing because there's other companies I've been in where they have another instinct, which is that the end user is an adversary. And as IT, my job is to stop them from doing something they shouldn't be doing. Therefore, I'm going to stop you from getting to, to sharing that data or sharing that file, I'm going to turn off all the switches mm. and, and, and you have to come to me and give me a very good reason why you want, you have to fill out in triplicate, you know, your TPS form and everything has to be I's dotted, T's crossed. I need to know exactly why you need to do what you're doing. Um, and the greatest example of that is Teams. You know, Teams adoption, I've seen very wildly. Some organizations have embraced it full-throated they love it they turn it on everyone can build teams everyone can have a team 
it's amazing. And other organizations, they're like, if you need a team, you have to fill out this form. It has to get approved. There's a, there's a 30 day waiting period. Uh, you have to be, you have to get trained. You have to be certified. You know, there's a whole list of, and it's two very wildly different approaches to the way you do teams in some organizations. Uh, and I, I, I'm of the opinion that uh, people will get, find a way to work together, find a way to get the problem solved. If you as an IT department put up too many barriers, what are they going to do? They're not going to stop working. They're not going to stop solving the problem. They're just going to find a way to solve it without you, without the tools that are secure, that are paid for by your company. Um, that is a bigger risk than if you just let them do it with Teams or with whatever tool it is, Power Apps, Power Flow, whatever. Right. They say taking your data and populating external non-controlled systems with your data to communicate with each other. And then you've got real problems. Yeah. I mean, again, I'm not going to throw anybody on the bus, but I've been on projects where because of government restrictions or from you know, not just government, some, some, some companies, right. they put so many restrictions in place that it requires people to use these third party tools, this shadow IT. Uh, and, and as soon as that happens, you've lost the war. Like, you know, you, you know, you may have stopped them from, you know, Oh, we're, we're going to prevent teams brawl by limiting teams. Well, that's great. But then what if they go and set up Slack, you know, and start doing it in Slack instead, you know, or what if they, they again, who knows WhatsApp? I mean, there's all sorts of ways people can communicate now. And if you, if they're taking their business intelligence and their business data and they're taking it outside of your, your, your secure zone, then what do you do? How do you get the horses back in the barn? That's true. That's, that's, that's very thought provoking. So, um, so, so where, where do you see yourself going, Jamie? I mean, you, you've been doing this uh, power platform stuff full time for what, about a year now? Yeah. Yeah. And then so, before that, yeah, a little bit more at discovery. Yeah. So wh where do you see this either yourself or where do you see power platform headed um, here in, you know, near and, and maybe uh, not so near future? Uh, I think RPA is a big big thing for Microsoft. There's going to be a lot of that in 2021, I think. You know, they made the purchase last year of SoftMotive and, and they've just rechristened WinAutomation as Power Automate Desktop. Um, I think that's going to be a big push. Um, I know with our clients, there's a lot of people interested in that. Um, I, I think Data First for Teams is going to open the door for a lot of organizations who have been hesitant to get into uh, Data First, formerly CDS. Um, and uh, I think you're going to see them create a, it's not fully baked yet, but I think you're going to see a, a very clear pathway from that entry level uh, business workload on, in a team to an enterprise wide workload. Um, and I think you're going to see organizations understand that, you know, we can, we can start here and, and get a sense for how it works. And then when we need to, we can move it up into that next level and as IT departments their job will be to give people that safe space where they can do that uh, dataverse for team workload uh, for their team and then when necessary they'll, they'll they'll take over and move it into an IT managed uh, you know, environment mm -hmm. um, so I think that's in terms of power platform that's where I, I think things are going um, I think power bi they just changed the licensing scheme I haven't really read everything about it but Premium licensing has changed. Is going to a, a Gen two. Um, I highly recommend if you're not following Guy in a Cube um, on Twitter and you, their YouTube channel. It's Guy in a Cube, but there's 
two guys in a cube. I don't know. The whole thing just gets confusing, but um, I would highly recommend if you're not following them, check those guys out. Um, and they do like a weekly roundup and uh, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm, I'm excited about. Um, and then for me personally, I think that I'm uh, 2021 is going to be a lot of more of the same, you know, we're all going to be working from home for at least another six months, probably more. Um, at this point, I'm kind of resigned that it's probably going to be all of the next year. Um, but I'm taking advantage of that. You know, I'm really excited this past year. I've been able to attend user groups all over the world, presented uh, at a lot of events. Um, and I'm, I'm hoping to do a lot more of that in 2021. Um, and the biggest thing I would say is that, that you should always uh, factor in time into your, your week to learn. Um, uh, there's, there's no shortage of changes coming. Um, the power, the, the power platform itself, not, not, not even to mention the whole ecosystem, but power platform changes every week. Uh, there's always something on one of those three things, power BI, power apps, uh, power, uh, power apps, power, power automate. I, I don't know, power anything. Um, there's, there's, there's changes coming. Um, so however you learn. And that as a trainer, one of my jobs was to always try to make a, a connection with my trainees and get an understanding of how they learn. And so we would do these evaluations and you know, getting me talking about adult theory, adult learning theory. Um, and so I would say to you, the listener viewer, uh, if, if you haven't taken the, the time to do some soul searching and get a sense for how you learn, take the time. There's probably some online assessments you can take, understand, the best way you learn and then build time around that. So if you're, if you're a hands-on learner, like a lot of people are, make sure you give yourself time to do stuff hands-on. Um, uh, if you like to see it and then do it, uh, find videos, you know, um, if you're more of a verbal learner and you want to read about it, there's lots of blogs out there. I have a blog plug, um, willisrose.com. Uh, <laughs> but you can, you can find all sorts of interesting stuff out there. Um, and then, of course, last but not least, you know, yes, we're all separated uh, during this pandemic, but the, the power of the community uh, and the power of technology allowing communities all over the world to come together means that you can meet people, meet in quotes, people uh, from many different cultures and have many different experience uh, levels. And you can really uh, enjoy that and uh, embrace that. And so whatever your interest is, whether it's a specific part of the power platform or maybe because you're in the government, you want to talk to people about government uh, problems. There's, I promise you, there's a group of people out there that have the same interest. And if you can't find it wherever you are, uh, start it yourself. I mean, meetup.com or uh, uh, power, power, power platform communities. I forget the name of the URL, but there's, I'm sure we can post links later uh, to various uh, sites. Uh, but yeah, I would say my, my call to action for people is, uh, you know, take the time, give yourself uh, time to learn every week. And it can be in whatever format works best for you, whether it's watching uh, something, listening to something, reading something, doing something, uh, take that time. That's, that's, a, that's a great recommendation. And with COVID, we have more time, hopefully, on our hands. We'll see. You know, it, it's hard to say. I can't, I, I don't know. Like, I, I don't have the commute time anymore. So I don't have the, you know, the urge to like clock out a specific time because I'm worried about my drive. Um, but at the same time, my days bleed on sometimes, right? It's like, you know, I look at the clock. I'm like, oh, it's seven o'clock. I should have stopped two hours ago. Um, you know, now I'll I also say I'm, I'm fairly new to consulting and the concept of billable time. 
And that, that's been a hard adjustment for me because, again, I, I spent almost 10 years salary, no, no timesheet, nothing um, really. I never really thought about time. I would sometimes spend all night working on something at Discovery. Like, I'd be like, I got to get this done. I'll just stay up all night, you know. Now I'm much more conscious of, like, oh, I have four hours. <laughs> you know, like, that's it. <laughs> you know, and then, then move on to the next project. And then, you know, however many hours I have on that. Um, so, yeah. So in some some respects, I, I, I have a lot more time. And other times it feels like I don't have enough. Well, Jamie, I want to thank you for joining me today. Um, and I, I think it's interesting to, to hear your perspective on the Power Platform and, and uh, especially from somebody who, you know, has uh, such a passion for it, but also hasn't been in it as in, in traditional IT very long. You bring a fresh view of how IT can, you know, really service customers rather than uh, themselves. So Excellent. Thank, you. thank you for having me. All right. Take care.